great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will you don't even have to think about it. Like, so let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just that's where he just after Ooh, ran down. Everybody like I'm not going to remember any of it. That's the way to go. Now he's like on his feet. How are you guys? Who's house? Wow. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rams Brothers. I'm your host, Dean, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother and the other amazing host of this show, Nick. And Nick, the Rams are 7-7. Seven and seven. Fully in playoff contention. It's a legitimate playoff push. But first and most importantly, how are you, my good brother? Three and six to seven and seven. I, I, I turned around. No one foresaw. It's except maybe you, Dean. Um, it's it just feels so good. I was able to go to that game. Yeah, it was an, an electric atmosphere. SoFi was awesome, as it always is. And I couldn't be happier with the direction of this team right now. I feel like we can go into any house and take down any team right now. I'm getting ahead of myself. This game itself was awesome. No, you're not getting ahead of yourself. I'm glad that you were there, Nick. It seemed like you had amazing seats. And also, it seemed like it was overwhelmingly a playoff atmosphere in SoFi, mm-hmm. which was the ask, right? It was like everybody just get into SoFi, be as loud as you possibly can, create a playoff atmosphere, and give yourself a legitimate home field advantage. And now the Rams are 4-3 and three at home. They started the season, what, 0-3, and now they're 4-3 at home or something like that. So we're we're in a much better spot. Legitimate home field advantage, especially going into the playoffs. You know, I'm not going to be in a position where you're going to have home field advantage, but just to have that in your back pocket in case the dice turns that way, good situation to be in. So overall, here's the game recap. So Rams have improved to 7-7. They beat the Commanders. The Commanders are 4-10, officially eliminated from playoff contention. Rams won the game 28-20. Probably could have won the game 40-20 if you really think about it. Should have, yeah. yeah, it should have been, you know, a much larger victory. Rams were 6.5 point favorites to win at home. They covered, they won by eight points. The over under total was at 49. The Rams had gone over in their last three games. But this game, they ended up going over with four or under with 48 total points. So a little bit unexpected. Like we said, Rams should have scored more points. Game should have went way over. Stafford Cup were totally surgical, 100% on the same page. It seems like the Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford relationship, nine and dime, is as good as it's ever been, right? Both fully healthy, both very much on the same page, and the marriage of the pass and the run seems to be opening things up in the pass game uh, dramatically. And then Kyron Williams is the best running back since Todd Gurley, without a doubt. It's, I mean, you, you get rid of the two fumbles, which I think he had 204 consecutive carries to start his career without a fumble. So extraordinarily uncharacteristic, huge Kyron fans want him to be Todd Gurley-esque, and he's doing an incredible job in this offense. And the fumbles that we mentioned, Darion Kendrick's handful of mistakes, and then the kicking game, preventing this game from being a total blowout. Right. Um, so, they, like, the kicking game, Luke Kissick missing two kicks. Or not Kissick, sorry. Luke Kissick <laughs> is my buddy. Um, but Luke the leg not being Luke the leg and not no. showing up and missing those kicks. Kyron Williams fumbles. Um, the, it, it was a mistake. Puka Nakua had two drops in his hands. A lot of mistakes. A lot of mistakes. And you come out and you cover and you win by eight. And really, you should have just been like on top the entire game, which they were. I mean, it was ten nothing. They're like to win a game where you're making a lot of mistakes 
and still be like unquestionably the better team at the end of it um, and still have a lead above seven when the game is over, that is the sign of a really good team. You're overcoming mistakes. There were mistakes on both sides of the ball, let's be real. But, you know, those Kyron fumbles, McVay did not, you know, he kept him in the game after that, even tries to go for him for throws. There, there was just a lot of good in those, like outside of those mistakes. It was kind of an ugly game in, in that way. But you come out on top and you come out on a short week now with the Saints coming to your house and you both have the same record. And you look at the teams top to bottom, we look so much better than them. The Saints yeah. would not have been able to overcome those mistakes. We did. That's a really, really good point. And you're also, while the Saints are, you know, getting ready for Thursday night, the Rams are getting help, right? You got help from Baker Mayfield in the meantime, the Bucs, with the win over the Green Bay Packers. And then the Panthers also beat the Falcons in a barn yes, burner, nine to seven, like disgusting game. But you're getting help throughout, you're getting help throughout the league. It feels like the mistakes that you make within games, you're able to correct because you have so much talent and personnel offensively. And that was the identity that Sean McVay had been talking about all the way back in April and May. It was like, our offense is going to be able to cover up any deficiencies, whether it's the front end, the back end of our defense, it's special teams, whomever it may be, whatever it may be, our offense is going to be good enough to propel us potentially into the seventh seed and maybe even go into Philadelphia or Detroit for a playoff game in the first round of the playoffs. As of right now, the Rams are 7-7 seven and seven in the seventh seed, projected to go into Philadelphia and potentially win a playoff game against a team that has no offensive identity right now, doesn't know what motion is in comparison to the Rams' offense. There's a lot of optimism, positivity surrounding this team. And if you can get a win on Thursday night, then you get the Giants the following week. Whether you're getting ahead of yourself or not, it's a good football team and mistakes can happen. And you know that within the life of the game, they can correct themselves. It's a good football team. And I think a lot of us can make the mistake now of thinking about the future, like next year. And it's like, sure. okay, like we can feel really good going into next year. I'm not there. I'm, I'm legitimately thinking about this year and the playoff opportunities that, that, they are making for themselves right now. As you should. You go into you go into you can go into Philly. You can go into Detroit. You can easily go into Tampa, but that's not going to happen because the Cowboys are going to have that one seed uh, or the one wild card seed, whatever. True. Um, there are countless. Like after that, game on. I like. I feel like almost we are the equivalent of like the Buffalo Bills right now in the AFC playoff picture, where it's like. You do not want to face the Rams in this Absolutely situation. Absolutely not. They no. have the coach. They have the quarterback who won a Super Bowl. You have Cooper Cup, and you have Aaron Donald, who I didn't even think was going to play, and obviously makes a huge impact in the game. Yeah, just his presence alone makes an incredible impact. You got the quarterback, too. This is Matthew Stafford in his first nine games this season. He was four and five, completion percentage of 59%, which is pretty low for him throughout his career. Uh, 251 passing yards per game, a touchdown interception ratio of nine to eight, and a passer rating of 80.8. So then you fast forward to the last four games. So they're four and one coming out of the bye, but the last four games specifically, they're three and one. Completion percentage is up 7% at 67%. Passing yards per game, 265, so up 15 yards per game. Touchdown interception ratio, only one interception over his last four weeks, and a passer rating of 112.6. Matthew Stafford is maniacal right now. Since the bye, 1,250 yards and 105.2 passer rating, 13 touchdowns and two picks. 
this team is cruising. And a lot of it is because of not only the Rams' scheme change, right? Because Kyron Williams is the next top girly because he's operating so well in duo. And although duo doesn't present these explosive run opportunities, at times, Kyron's able to take advantage of them. It's not a direct comparison to the outside zone scheme that they ran with Todd Gurley where they hit a ton of home runs, but it feels like McVay is adjusting his methodology now. It's, it's like, let's be, let's keep everything together, mix the run and the pass. Let's be perfectly balanced throughout the first four or five series of this game, see where we could take advantage. And then you'll get your explosives. Like they're going to, because their scheme is so great. Well, job, good job bouncing the pencil there to illustrate my point. When everything is perfect, when Sean McVay is in his bag per se, play calling red zones, different red zone. You're going to be presented with a different defense, different looks pre-snap, which he's been very vocal about. But I feel like this offense is able to put this team in position to win games. And it's led by Matthew Stafford for all of the incredible things that he's able to do pre and post snap. Matthew Stafford with a team of TikTokers, as he said in the beginning of the season, <laughs> uh, couldn't remember their names. What a turnaround from that point. I mean, I never really, I don't think any of us really ever gave that story that much no. attention because it was lame in, in any way. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's like the he's the he's the cool uncle right now that's playing like um, permanent QB in the backyard <laughs> with, with, with like I mean, obviously Cooper Cup. But yeah, I mean, like shout out to Marcus Robinson, man. Like coming in three consecutive games with a touchdown, and then he tweeted about it. Yeah, look at that. Like he's a factor. He's an X factor on this team right now. Like he like you know you can pick them up on your fantasy teams if you're still in yep. there and you wide receiver like dude is like balling out hey if he's a if he's going to be a more willing blocker in this offense he's going to have spot in it because he looks like a better version of van jefferson and we know what the rams offense looked like with van jefferson as the x receiver in 2021 when he could seriously take the top off and be a threat to do so two two being a little bit banged up he's not a bad run blocker but i just feel like a couple of you're giving yourself a couple of different looks and matchups, right? Because like a Demarcus Long or Demarcus Robinson matchup versus Tutu Atwell is completely different. So I think right. the way that Matthew Stafford is manipulating coverage. So this I think was incredible. This was uh, a post by um, uh, somebody from the Athletic. I think it was uh, Nate Tice. And the just the way that Matthew Stafford is able to manipulate in the pocket, I think is just unbelievable. So this play, like at first glance, Nick, it's a three by one set. So it looks like everything's going to the left. Right, you see four Washington defenders there with Cup and Nakua and Tyler Higby. So everything in Matthew Stafford's body language is telling you that he's going to go to the left-hand side of the field, which is why that middle defender is starting to creep a little bit to the left. The second clip, you see Matthew Stafford's feet start to get into position to uncork a no-look throw to Demarcus Robinson in the middle of the field. But the defenders don't know that yet. This second-level defender, the second-level linebacker is thinking to himself, oh, shit, this play still might go to the left. But Matthew Stafford knows to himself, you could see it in his feet, that he's eventually going to set himself up and throw that no-look pass to Demarcus Robinson. So the next clip, this is even more manipulation. He's completely positioned himself to throw underneath the Kyron Williams as a check down. Unbelievable stuff. Okay, check down, get seven yards, easy business. You could see these second-level defenders are starting to even creep towards Kyron Williams, which then gives Matthew Stafford the alley to throw into an open space. These second-level defenders, third-level defenders have no idea what's coming. It gives Demarcus Robinson an easy one-on-one -on -one opportunity. Matthew Stafford's head is still facing Kyron Williams, and Demarcus Robinson is able to catch an easy dig route across the middle for a gain of, what, 25 yards? That yeah. is – it's it blows my mind 
to see how much he's doing in the pocket with his shoulders, his eyes, his head, his feet, to just make everything work for this offense. He's a 36-year-old veteran Super Bowl quarterback. And, I, you know, <laughs> you could say whatever you want about him, but he's a great player. I mean, you look at something like that, the amount of intricacies and small things that he had to do yeah. to make that throw will like won't be talked about on like a, just a regular level. Like that is, I mean, that's a gamer. That's somebody that's been doing it for like the bet, like at, at the highest echelon, um, in his career for like a long time, and he's doing like said like ten things in a row to make one like twenty yard pass, and it's difficult. Like that's like that's a like they kind of read it. Four well, people in the world maybe can do it. Maybe yeah. Like Washington kind of expected that, and he had to do so much to get them to not expect it, and then he hits them. And I, it's gotta be hard for Robinson too. You know, he yeah, Robinson, yeah, he sure. Hey, hey, it's like we're going back to twenty twenty one for a second, and we're gonna go back to the Super Bowl in that final offensive drive, and we're gonna complete a no look pass to Cooper Cup on a dig route across the middle. Same kind of play, yeah. But I mean, it's it's Demarcus Robinson stepping up and making the catch and being ready. It's almost like you have an incredible point guard facilitator. Where you have like Chris Paul, you have to be ready to just catch the ball into the basket at any point, or catch for an open shot and hit it, hit the three in the corner. Like that's how good Matthew Stafford is, and I couldn't love him more. And the relationship with him and Cooper Cup, nine and dime. By the way, you see the podcast. <laughs> My wife was asking me, she was like, "Why is Cooper so big and Matthew Stafford is so scrawny?" In comparison, Cooper <laughs> Cup looks like the Hulk next to Matthew Stafford. I know. It's, yeah. Well, he also Coop's got to take on the contact. I explained where Coop's got to take on the heavy contact. Stafford's got to keep his arm flexible. He's got to be able to throw on every arm angle. It's, but also, it's, Coop, Coop dresses like a high schooler going to the gym, <laughs> which he knows. You know? the relationship like, I'm, not, though, I'm not wearing tank tops to the gym anymore, Cooper. <laughs> but, you, know, you do you, brother. The podcast, though, is good when this relationship on the field is also really good. Like uh-huh. to me, that makes it makes the podcast way more engaging because you just want to continue to hear the relationship and hopefully a guest appearance from Pukunuku at some point. But with a 62 yard reception in the third quarter, wide receiver Cooper Cup recorded his longest since week eight of the 2019 season. Busted coverage. Matthew Stafford immediately identified it. And Cooper Cup, a perfect 158.3 passer rating when targeted versus the commanders. Eight targets, eight receptions, 111 yards and a touchdown for Coop. I mean, the offense probably should have scored 28 points on their first four possessions. Yeah, I, I mean, they, you know, they stalled out the first um, first time hitting the red zone, take a drink, uh, typical Sean McVay. But then, you know, they get down there again, Kyron fumbles. It's, there, were, there were mistakes, yeah, but, you know, they easily could have been up. If you're a, somebody watching that game and you had the over, at 49 and you're just like, Oh my God, there are so many opportunities that, that the Rams and the commanders could have capitalized and they, they did it and it ended up biting them in the ass if you're an over better. But I mean, as a Rams fan, we ended up overcoming them. So it was fine. So yeah, during the game, yeah. like, you know, I'm sitting there all fumed and I'm there with my girlfriend. She's just like, it's, it's 10, nothing right now. Like, <laughs> it's the commanders. like you don't need well, to be- right. It's the long. defense was so like, yeah, obviously within the first four possessions, there were two Kyron fumbles um, and then they settled for a field goal on one of their first two scoring possessions. But like you're thinking to yourself, game should have been a blowout one and two, only 57 yards allowed by the defense in the first half. So 
It was like, all right, I think Sam Howard, like 58, 59 uh, passing yards at the end of the day with like 112 passing yards, something like 12 completions. Ended up bringing Jacoby Brissett in the game. But I, I thought the defense was so impressive until the, I don't know, it was like 20 to nothing. I think Cooper Cup scored on that play. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, he's got sleepwalking. You're sleepwalking, right. It's 20 to nothing. You're thinking to yourself, there's no way this team's going to get back into the game. And then Jacoby Brissett provides a little bit of a spark. But like at that point in the game, the secondary, and there are a couple of, I think, rotations that they're going to make. So that was it within, I don't know, however many a minute, it was a minute of 46 to go. Jacoby Brissett ended up placing, replacing Sam Howell and had thrown two touchdowns. But it was Terry McLaurin had a 48-yard gain and got the commanders to the one-yard line with Darion Kendrick in coverage. Shout out Jordan. Shout out Sarah, the two last tweets that we showed. But the bad news is getting worse. It was a Keller Witherspoon had a groin injury. He was questionable to return. I believe he did return. And Trey Tomlinson was also dealing with an injury. So the expectation is probably they're going to rotate that secondary a little bit. Um, you saw um, Kobe, uh, Kobe Durant with the incredible special teams block. I'd like to see him potentially get more involved in the outside because it seems like his role – is starting to diminish a little bit um, in the secondary. So I don't know what they're going to be able to do in the secondary to be able to get things a little bit more creative. And maybe it's just, you know, paying a little bit more attention to detail, right? And not taking your head out of the game when the team is so far ahead offensively. And the defense hadn't, or they, the opposing offense hadn't really done anything to impress you in the game. Right. So, so yes, the defense was sleepwalking, but they get that. So they score the first touchdown and then with Jacoby, and then, you know, he throws almost – it's almost the same identical play. He hits the receiver for like 40 yards. But he lands – you know, he gets stopped on the one. So the Rams, like – and there's five five forty eight left on the clock. The Rams stop them for four downs, but then there's a flag. So then right. it's that's, – that's, that's first and goal again, all over. And then – and they take four more downs to score the touchdown. All of a sudden, they score a touchdown. Two-minute warning went off. Yeah. Like the defense had like such a hard task, but they ate up so much clock. They rose to it. Yep, they sure did. So like there was some good at the like they they were sleepwalking. They woke up, and then that was enough for the Rams where they could just like. You know. Yeah, then you saw Cooper Cup's three hundred IQ play where he tapped the ball out of bounds on the onside kick, which you love him on the hands team because anybody that's high IQ like that that could make a play situationally. Like that's that's what it's so high on his cue though because he had to hit it behind him. <laughs> yeah. If he hits it in front of him, it's a flag. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's that's why it's. Uh. Yeah. I mean, if it's after ten yards and he hits it in front of him, I don't know what the ruling is there. But I regardless, think it's a flag because they at the game they were like there is no flag for because he hit the ball behind him. No right. Second. Okay. Yeah. Because if it, if it goes past ten yards, then you're allowed to hit it. I think in any direction. But if you're within 10, I'm not sure exactly what the rule yeah, is. I'm not, regardless. I'm not sure exactly what the rule is, but they said something, and I was like, I didn't even know that that, that was the case. So good sure. job. Yeah, I mean, still, to, to know that rule, it's reminiscent of the, what was it, the John Wolford play last year, where they took the safety against the Falcons in the back of the end zone. Yeah, <laughs> I just had to bring up your favorite player for old time's sake. Speaking of everybody's favorite player, and this guy should be everybody's favorite player, Kyron Williams. So via next-gen stats, what Kyron Williams is doing right now against light boxes is very surgical by Sean McVay because he knows exactly what to call and when. But 21 of his 27 carries, which is 77.8%, gained 121 rushing yards on those attempts. So, I mean, he, he's doing exactly what he needs to do. 
for the majority of his rush attempts. And Kyron Williams has gained a league high 660 yards rushing against light boxes this season, 79 more than the next closest player. So taking advantage of what, what you're being given. So I think the, the problem that they're giving defenses right now is you're not able to distinguish what the play is at the line of scrimmage. Right, so it doesn't give the defense an advantage to stack the box. You saw it a couple times with the Baltimore Ravens. I think it was coming out of the second half where they started to stack the box and get on Kyron a little bit early. But to me, you can't do that consistently because Matthew Stafford's going to beat you down the left sideline and Cooper Cup for sixty-two yards. I was so say, it, it didn't even really work with the Ravens when they started doing that because then the Rams were just able to open up, you know, the whole slew of Puga Nakua and Demarcus Robinson and uh, Cooper Cup. Exactly. And now you're getting like if you're not already Kyron Williams biggest fan, I think this statistic seals it. Shout out Sosa, great tweet. Most rushing yards per game by a running back during Sean McVay's tenure. Todd Gurley in 2018, 89.4. Kyron Williams in 2023, 89.0. Todd Gurley in 2017, 87.0. Kid is really damn good. A lot of it is the scheme change. A lot of it is the offensive line staying healthy. Hey, you didn't have Rob Havenstein in this game, and Joe Nopum filled in well. Kyron went for 157 yards. So, I mean, how much better can you ask Kyron to be in his second year as a fifth-round pick? I know. I mean, two, just fifth-round picks just blowing up. That We should be the Los Angeles fifth-round picks. <laughs> um, but, I mean, one thing I will say about Kyron that I think I saw on maybe more of a molecular level in the in the section I was at yeah. – um, I feel like he has a good stutter step before. Uh, I feel like Freeman, and no disrespect to Freeman or Henderson, but will just kind of take it and run because that's more yeah. of the kind of back that they are. With Kyron, it looks like he takes like a millisecond to find the hole before making his jump, and that's yeah. huge. Like, like Do you finding- remember Steven Jackson was famous for that? He would get the ball, and he would almost jump stop. Like he would yeah. get it, jump, stop, identify, diagnose, and then run somebody over. And that's, that's how our friend Joey would do it in the backyard. And it was impossible <laughs> to defend. Shout out Joey. Um, incredible football player. In- incredibly hard to tackle. That's kind of what Kyron Williams is as soon as he gets the ball in his hands. Because he's able to, A, initially make somebody miss. And, you know, as a pass catcher, that role is going to, going to continue to develop. I think he only had five receptions for negative. I don't know if it was negative yards. I think it was three yards total. So, Overall, the average yards per reception was negative, but holistically, this whole sample size has been healthy. All day. It's got eight rushing touchdowns. Hopefully, we get him to 10. He's a, a really good pass catcher out of the backfield, but you know, it wouldn't hurt to have another guy who could kind of replicate some of that, and that's not Royce Freeman. Mm-hmm. So It's not, so. but Freeman, Freeman can come in and bowling ball a little bit. Sure. So, sure. You know, I, like, I like Freeman as as the second guy. Yeah, you could he definitely continue me. wearing down defenses with Royce Freeman. Do you want to talk about the kicker? Do you, like, do we need to sign Mason Crosby every week so he's scared? <laughs> like, I don't know why they let him go so quick. I'm assuming it has to do with some of the roster math and the ads and drops that they can do prior to the playoffs because they have limited spots that they can do that with. So I'm I'm fearful that they're kind of running out of transactions. And they're not able to kind of bring Mason Crosby back after signing him to the active. I think they signed him to the practice squad and then the active roster. And then he was flat out released. So to me, I, I definitely want to bring him back, even if it's in the shadows of Luke DeLeg to turn him back into Luke DeLeg. Yeah. Haversick. I mean, bro, you know, there's no reason we should even be worried about them scoring that second 
uh, Jacoby Brissett bomb touchdown if you just drill that kick. But I mean, they should have went. They should have went over thirty points for four straight games. Instead, they went over twenty-eight points for the four straight games. It's tied for the Niners for the longest streak. Five straight games covering the spread, though. Yep, yep. And Stafford being as good as he is, we talked about. He's he's got the longest streak four weeks in a row with multiple touchdown passes. So. Yeah, I'm worried about the kicking game, but like this is kind of what – so this to me right now, this version of the team right now is the best example of what Sean McVay said they were going to be in May. Yeah. The offense, offense did everything in that game, and the defense was was good. They were just good enough, and they kind of you know, fell asleep in the second half. But special teams is you know 60% there, 65% of the way there. Um, yeah, it's, it, those are the kind of ways that you, you could lose a playoff game that way. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we've seen it before, 2017, right? Uh, the special teams yeah. against the Falcons. That was been such an explosive year for them. Mm-hmm. I remember. Yeah, I'm, I'm nervous about it. I want them to bring back Mason Crosby for sure. But um, yeah. holistically, I'm not, I'm not worried about Thursday night yet. We're going to talk about it more tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode. And then the Giants game, and then the Niners, and then Christmas in between. So a lot of fun. To be had. It's going to be a freaking busy, crazy season. But yep. um, well, maybe Dean and I will do a podcast where we're actually in the same room. Yeah, we'll just be sitting in chairs together, like old school. That'd just, be great. Just looking at each other uh, in direct <laughs> eye contact, like uh, yep. maybe, uh, if you Martin. want, <laughs> if you want exclusive VIP access to that podcast, make sure that you ram it. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Continue liking, subscribing, doing everything, commenting. We want to know your thoughts about the game. We want to know your thoughts about the episode, what you guys thought. Um, very much appreciate you guys. Home field advantage is real and go Rams. Yeah, uh, I will say this. So I, the tickets that I had for this game, I was like a silent auction and I won. And they were VIP seats. And in VIP seats, people don't stand up. They're not clapping. You know, I'm like standing up on third down. I'm freaking out when Taron Killam's on the big screen, north side, south side, whose house. Um, and uh, people didn't do that. So I, I, I'm i not a VIP, man. I, okay. I'm more of a commoner. You know, I'm more of a peasant. I need to be at the top. Yeah. Hey, um, if the Rams ever want to bring us to games, sit us with the remainder. We don't want to be VIP. We want to be no, with No, no, yeah, Rams. Yeah, yeah. But I did. When you're VIP, <laughs> you run into some celebrities. I ran into uh, Bill Fagerbake, who is the voice of Patrick Starr. And that was really cool to uh, to talk to him and tell him how great of a talent he is. Did he, did he say which one of those flat foots threw that ball to the sideline to Tyler Higby? <laughs> he was like, no, you know who's the real talent? The guy on the back of your shirt, Matthew Stafford. Yep. And I was like, you're right. You're right, Bill. But yeah, good good game. Maybe he'll listen. I told him about the pod. Yeah, definitely. Maybe he won't. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for staying until the end and listening to the Patrick Starr story. You guys are real MVPs. Uh, horns up. Love you guys. See you in 24 hours. Go Rams. Cheers.